welcome to another episode of Downton Gabby. It is season five, episode three, and we have so much juicy stuff to talk about tonight. I'm Teresa Schechter in Brooklyn. I'm Shannon Bowen in Oakland. And I'm Brandi Sperry in Los Angeles. So, romance. So much romance. And maybe the end of a romance with Mary and Tony? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, who hasn't been there? Who hasn't been there? You right. know, you're like... You know, we had a good time, but when I left, I didn't think about you again. And so I don't really want you to come to my friend's party tonight. Sorry. <laughs> and now now I have to break up with you by text message. Sorry. Right. Not sorry. If only. I mean, it was kind of awkward when he shows up at the Russian tea, right? Right. But he knew that something was up. I think that's why he's showing up, to try to, like, assert himself and be mm-hmm. like, hey, remember me? I'm your boyfriend. And she's like, oh, I was perfectly fine not talking to you for a couple of weeks but okay I guess that's why all of these terrible books about how to be a player and how to pick up ladies have been written because obviously maybe some men's instincts are just really bad well I'm not saying those books are are teaching good instincts but But they're but they're preying off of that same insecurity that he's displaying here right and it's like don't don't be needy. That's just not going to work, especially for Mary. That does not, that's not attractive to her. No, what you need to do is you need to go off to war. <laughs> you need to be in a ditch for a while. <laughs> you need to come back with a new wife, fiance, and then she'll remember that she loves you. Remember when we did that podcast about Lavinia and we called it Farewell to the Speed Bump? We poor were, Lavinia. We were so cruel. Oh, poor Lavinia. <laughs> But, you know, I don't I don't think it's because he's needy. I know you guys do, but I just think he's not bright enough for her. I just don't think he's quick enough, sharp enough. Ooh, look who's listening to Mr. Blake, huh? You've just yeah. been reading Mr. Blake's online journal, huh? I just, I think that's part of it, and I think he just, he flat out kind of worships her. Like, all of his interactions with her are like, you're perfect, you're the sun, you're the moon, you're the stars. <laughs> and I think I would get a little tired of that, too. Like, I want someone I can spar with. Like, do you think he's the type that he just, like, wants to stare deeply into her eyes while he's fucking her? And she's like, no. Like, like it's just fuck, <laughs> you know? And he's like, no, but your eyes, your soul, your heart. She's like, get over it. She's like, she's like, flip me over, flip me over. And he's like, no. <laughs> but I can't see your eyes. She's like, that's the point. <laughs> he just wants to cuddle, you guys. He's a cuddler. <laughs> he's a cuddler. Oh, poor Tony. Okay, so of course, of course, they have to be seen coming out of the hotel. (laughs) But the choice of person is brilliant. Like, picture me doing the, like, stereotypical Italian, like, fingers pressed together kiss, like, to Sprat being the one to spot just like brava brava julia tackling with glee over that like who knew that he could even exist in corporeal form outside of the dowager's drawing room but this is the perfect way to find out that he could oh yeah and then he's just he's just so funny with with the dowager that whole scene was the beginning of me just being like this episode is really sharp and clever like all of the dialogue scenes were so good, except for, like, maybe a couple things with the stereotype Russians, but, like, oh my god, like, that was funny. There were, like, multiple layers going on, actually, in one scene. Like, 
Good job, Jillian. Like, yeah. Have you been listening to the podcast? Yeah, yeah he's been like listening. Is that from a coma or something? Because I just feel like the writing this season is completely different than the writing of the last two seasons. I mean, I was pretty down on the show. Like, I don't know. Do I even like to make fun of it anymore? It's so boring. And then this season is, like, delightful. I mean, I wrote in our notes, you know, it's kind of shocking when you give all the female characters a little agency and confidence how interesting everything becomes. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's everything has been really great, and we have to hand it to him. He knows how to write the Dowager and Mary spot on. Oh, they were perfect together. And that that line, which is not um, not actually from Jane Austen. Uh, she would have never written in my day. A lady was incapable of feeling physical attraction until she'd been instructed to do so by her mama. It was perfection. So many good one-liners in this episode. And Mary politely saying, you know what? He was hot. I wanted to do it. Like, I don't <laughs> care who my dad is. Sometimes, you know, I was really horny. Sorry, Granny. And she learned a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> yeah. Well, and if I was Mary, if somebody was like, well, you're the daughter of an earl, I would be, like, rolling my eyes being like, and what has that ever gotten me? Like, you know, all it's ever gotten me is watching other people take over what should rightfully be my position if I was a man. So I'll do what I want, man. And I'll be on top if I want. I don't care if you want to look in my eyes or cuddle all night. I let my hair down. I'm assuming that her diaphragm worked out okay, but can we just talk about how asking Anna to hide it somewhere? It's ridiculous. I'm covering my face with my hands because I just was like, come on. And I hope she cleaned it. I just, I have so many gross thoughts in my mind. And then like, just imagining Bates' look of disapproval and confusion. I mean... A, is he going to know what a diaphragm is? I'm not sure. <sighs> he's probably going to find it, and he's going to think that Anna's been using it, and that's why she hasn't gotten knocked up, and she's going to have to defend herself, and I'm going to be mad that she has to defend herself against her husband, who, like, is so boring and terrible. Ugh. And as, as several people pointed out on our Twitter feed, there's got to be a better place to hide it in the, like, 20,000 square foot abbey than in the cottage. Yeah, there's got to be, like, a trap door or, you know, a loose floorboard or something. I've Come on, there's got to be... This is what horror movies are all about, these haunted houses. It would be <laughs> Downton Abbey as a haunted right. house. Right. Well, and Anna's the one that helps Mary dress all the time, so can't you just, like, I don't know, tack it to the inside of a dress or something? Is anyone else going to be looking at that? I don't... It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense except that Bates is going to need to find it and misunderstandings will ensue and all of that. Somebody on Twitter said that there were a lot of misunderstandings about what the thing actually was, and apparently people were tweeting at her that they thought it was a used condom. <laughs> Get your shit together, people. Yeah, we. I mean, we've been assuming that it's a diaphragm because I don't think there's any other assumption to make at this point. So I don't think a woman could buy. I don't think a woman could buy condoms, right? She oh, would no. only be able to buy a diaphragm. Yeah, oh yeah, she she yeah, it's a diaphragm, no doubt. Yeah, or a cervical cap, if you will. I just got, I just got some funny images in my mind thinking about what Bates would assume it is if he doesn't <laughs> know it's a diaphragm. He's like, it's a thimble, and he's using it to like put buttons back on the elf Lord Grantham's coat. It's a stopper. For the sink. It's a saucer of some kind. <laughs> it's 
Speaking of romance, okay, my favorite romance of the episode is Cora and the Tan Man. Yes. I loved it. I loved it too. It was great. And by the way, do you notice that all the women are dressed better when they're in London? I loved Cora's outfit so much. I was admiring a lot of the outfits on this episode. I was feeling like we had gotten through a a sad time of two baggy dresses and finally things were starting to look pretty again. Oh, Mary's nightgown and shawl in the hotel room. That was beautiful. Oh, so pretty. Yeah. And Cora's blue dress with the, what was it, like an orange coat? Or something? Yes. I love the bold combination. Yeah. And that those scenes were so great. I mean, first of all, when two people are looking at art together in a movie, this is always a stand-in for a foreplay. Always, always, always. So that was totally sexy. And plus, the way he looks at her, it was like 50% admiration of how pretty she still is and 50% actually giving a shit about her opinions, which Lord Grantham has obviously not been doing lately. I loved it. And 10%, like, he wants to bone her so bad, and it's really hot. No, he's Richard E. Grant. He can't help himself. He's hot for an old dude. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying it. Um, But yeah, I love that what is happening in Down Abbey this season is it's kind of bringing back all these elements of rom-coms that, you know, rom-com movies are kind of out, but we still love these elements talking all night, walking around a city. I love it, you know? (laughs) So it was great to see it and have it feel fresh. And then, of course, to come back to, you know, what did you call him? Pissy boy diaper baby, Lord (laughs) Grant. That is what I called him in our notes. (laughs) He is just such, ugh. Can you imagine she's been out? She's been out all evening with this charming man who just thinks she's the beginning and the end. She's told him all about being an awkward young woman and all the stuff that we've never heard her talk about this stuff before. And it was amazing. And then she comes home and there's Mr. Grumpy Pants. Being mad because she wasn't psychic enough to know that he was sitting waiting for her. I mean... He's not spontaneous. How could she ever guess? How could she ever guess that he would be there? This is literally the one time he's ever changed his plans voluntarily in the history of the show. And he never goes to London. He hates London. I mean, if I was her, there's no way I would assume he was going to be there. And it's like, then he just insults her that he doesn't want to listen to her opinions. It's like, dude, you need to get over yourself because you are losing your wife. Mm-hmm. He also, she totally held her own. Like, she didn't feel guilty. She didn't feel embarrassed. She was just sort of incredulous that he was mad at her, which I thought was fantastic. Again, really well written scene. Really well written. I love that she didn't feel that she needed to defend herself further than just saying, This is what happened, and if you're mad about it, then I'm going to bed. He played it all wrong because everybody in long term relationships knows it's a compliment to the partner, too, when the other person gets hit on. <laughs> so it's like. That could have turned into a really hot situation for them, but he played it all wrong. Because you know that she was all charged up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He should have been like, ooh, tell me about that painting. Yeah. I mean, she, they could have had really great sex because she's, you know, she held off. She was, you know, a good wife, but she still got all that sexual energy surging through her. And instead he just like. He totally shot down her lady boner. Okay, moving on. Moving Let's get on. to the prince. Okay, guys, oh. let's just get to Granny's past. Oh, my God. It was such a good scene. I can't, like, it was perfect. And I, I actually kind of felt cheated because I, I had been waiting for it 
the whole time because of last week's previews. And then, of course, it was only a little bit at the end. But, oh my god, what a great scene! Like, telling that cute little story, and then he's overhearing the whole thing. I mean, speaking of great romantic comedy tropes, I mean. Totally. That was perfect. It was so marvelous. And the other thing, and again, this is such a well-written episode, because Granny spends the entire episode telling Mary all of this advice that she has clearly never (laughs) followed herself. (laughs) I love it. I know in that little tete-a-tete with Mary at the end where Mary's like, oh, I think you understand where I'm coming from now, Miss Sassy Pants Dowager. I gotta say, first of all, the prince is hot, okay? Another hot, older gentleman. Um, super hot. But it's, it's kind of funny to see all that facial hair, but he is a prince. He's Russian nobility. He's like a prince, which totally outranks an earl or a count. By the way, Tom and Lorenzo were, were referring to him as Count Chocula in the live tweet <laughs> and I did correct them and say that's <laughs> Prince Chocula. Oh Prince Chocula. Oh Prince Chocula. Um, he also sounds a little bit like Tevya in Fiddler on the Roof. Is it just me? I don't know Fiddler um, on the Roof that well. Okay. No. <laughs> okay. Just me. But yeah, I, I love that ask actor whose name I like can't pronounce, but he always pops up as like the Russian general in various action movies and stuff, and I'm so excited by the prospect of getting to watch him have a romance storyline. I, I really hope that this goes on for a little while. But back to the beard. Do you think that's <laughs> part of the appeal for Granny? I mean, do you think she's, you know, wanting like a lumberjack prince kind of look? What do you think's going on there? Do you say lumberjack prince? Lumberjack prince. I mean, yeah, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fantasy. You can mesh many things together. Who, who wouldn't like a lumberjack prince? I mean, that sounds pretty good. I mean, that's the bigger question, I guess. You're right, Brandy. You're totally right. It's <laughs> the bigger question. Uh, I'm really excited because, you know, after last season, we were kind of worried about, like, are they going to make the Dowager get kind of sick and old and kind of, you know, go that direction? And I love instead that they're just putting all this vigor into her storyline of being a mean girl with Isabel and then talking sex with Mary and then her old flame comes back in town. It's so much more interesting and such a better choice and I'm so excited about it. By the way, his first name is Igor. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, our Twitter friend Hillary said that Lord Grantham called them Ruskies. I didn't remember that. But she writes, Julian, you anachronistic dummy, it's not the Cold War. Is that anachronistic to call them Ruskies in 1924? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that Lord Grantham was, like, on the edge with all ethnic slurs, so <laughs> he probably invented the term Ruskies. So, what do you think happened with the Dowager and Prince Karagin? I'm thinking a kiss in a hallway, and maybe, like, bodies pressing against each other kind of kiss, you know? But they're all their stiff, formal clothes kind of got in the way, but I imagine there was, like, like a hot one-time kiss, and that's as much as they would ever do. I'm picturing the library scene from Atonement. <laughs> oh my god, that's the best scene. That is the best sex scene in history. It's great on the page, in the book, and it is great in the movie. So, wow. You just went for the top. <laughs> wow. That was awesome for me. <laughs> I mean... Uh, no to the readers, if you haven't read Atonement, just read it for that sex scene and... Probably I'm just saying, young Maggie Smith was such a babe. Like, she would have had some, she would have been turning some heads in Russia, for sure. But we need to talk about 
the dark side of love, which is Edith becoming a baby snatcher. <laughs> Guys, who, who thought? This is getting really bad. Okay, did we all think that she had stolen the baby? I thought she'd <gasps> really stolen the baby. I was like, Brandy is a prophet. She stole that baby. <laughs> Oh my god, but guys, she's gonna steal that baby. I think it's still gonna happen. Like, I think this is, like, pushing her over the edge, and it's making it really hard to be on Team Edith, because I'm, like, Team Mrs. Drew at this point. I'm, like, she doesn't know what's going on. She thinks this crazy lady is gonna steal her adopted daughter. It's bizarre. Mr. Drew needs to just tell his wife the truth and stop telling her she's daft and weird, because I get very bristly every time he insults her. But it's also weird because we haven't seen Edith in the same room alone with the Dowager and Lady Rosamond is nowhere to be found. And it's like, Edith needs an intervention. She needs the women in her life to come around her and say, you need to get it together. Because she's losing it, guys. She's She's spiraling. She's already burnt down a house and she almost stole a baby. So, and we're only three episodes in. So it's not going well for Edith. I'm not loving her clothes. Not loving them. She needs to get to London more. Well, you dress better when there's a man you're interested in. We all right, know that. Taking you to rules for lunch. It's true. True. And I just felt bad because I think Cora sincerely like wanted her to come along to London, wanted her to get out of the house. And how often is someone that sincere with her? And she was just like, I have to watch Marigold like a freaking crazy lady. I mean, her parents need to notice what's up. I mean, she's about ready to give birth at the prom and they're like, oh, she's just put on some pounds. No. She's going to steal a baby and, like, murder Mrs. Drew and burn down the house. Like, you need to, you need to pay attention to your Yeah, like, I really want to be sympathetic to her pain, but at this point, isn't this kind of, like, the best case scenario for keeping it secret? Like, she can't go more than a day or two without seeing her daughter just to, like, let things smooth out? She's going to be there, theoretically, forever. Like, just... Slow your roll, girl. Um, I will say big points for Team Edith, though, when she asked about Mary's sketches. Like, I just feel like everybody was taking, like, everybody's been watching Mary for years, and they've all learned how to throw shade like her, because there was so much throwing shade in this episode, and I loved every second of it. (laughs) And later when Tom was like, yeah, I didn't believe that for a second. (laughs) So good. You know what I loved on Twitter during our live tweet? The euphemism you know, Liverpool advice or going to Liverpool. (laughs) Shannon, what did you tweet? You bet $20 that the Dowager would be, what was it? Yeah. So I tweeted that, uh, I bet everybody $20 that by the end of the season, the Dowager will be asking Mary for (laughs) Liverpool advice. She's going to get back in that saddle guys. So speaking of Russians, let's talk about Miss Bunting. Oh, God. Why does she need to be invited up into the main house every time she shows up to tutor Daisy? There's no reason for this. There was no reason for her to be there with those Russian people. Even Tom was, like, very half-hearted about wanting to defend her. (laughs) He's like, oh, she didn't... Ah, fuck it. In a really well-written episode, that was this very unnecessary piece of business driving her a terrible scene just to insult the russians and then hustling her out again yeah that guy was like a second from literally tearing hair out of his head because he was so mad about whatever she had said it was it was really over the top and bad 
Uh, oh, but then, but then they're like, oh, please come see the relics. And he just got all weepy. Yeah, weirdly, one of my most popular tweets was that, like, lessons learned. Rich people like to buy other rich people's stuff. Because that's literally all that scene told me was like, well, they were also rich from another country. So we brought back these relics. And you are also rich, so you will also appreciate them. Let's all cry for your lost wealth from your destroyed country. Go get some more lemon, please. We're running out of lemon. So our Twitter friend, Elle Conley, uh, is now lobbying quite heartily for a fuck you, Miss Bunting segment. So I don't want to be the one to second that motion. But. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to be quite there yet because she also was so encouraging of Daisy this episode. I just, I'm torn. I don't know. I don't know if I could do a fuck you, but maybe just damn you. <laughs> like, just. Come on, just have better manners. How about get a grip, Miss Bunting? <laughs> get a grip, Miss Bunting. I like that. Hashtag get a grip, Miss Bunting. It's got some poetry to it. Um, I have a pet theory, you guys. Julian Fellows does not like the lower and middle classes not respecting their betters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he, <laughs> the only people he writes nicely are the servants. And right. all the other middle class people, he writes as like horrible human beings. Yeah. And a lot of them are like cheats and just, yeah, really awful people. You're totally right. And the servants worship serving, you know, which is kind of ridiculous. Right. Except, except uh, Thomas, you know, who, who mm-hmm. gets a lot of grief and doesn't get a boyfriend again. Mm-hmm. And I know, and maybe getting a drug problem. I'm yeah, really what was that? What was that? Guys, I'm really worried. I do I'm not want to watch an after-school special about his, like, laudanum shooting problem, or whatever it's going to be. Yeah, that's what I thought. that. He, but, but the phone call was something about he wants to change his life or something. Yeah, it was like, I saw your ad about going on an adventure or whatever the hell. I mean... Is this just a drug dealer putting ads in the paper? He did get swindled by the black market. You know, he's going to sell that stuff on the black market, and then it was all full of, like, flour or something. He doesn't make good decisions, guys. He does not. So I know you guys don't really want to talk about Mrs. Patmore, so we don't have to, except that I still like her and she's sweet, and it just makes the memorial committee look like a bunch of mean girls again. Yeah, I mean, this is... She had a couple of great scenes, obviously, but, I mean... It's it is. It's just sad, and it and it. I was a little annoyed that the storyline seemed more an excuse to deal with Mrs. Hughes and Carson's interactions with each other than to actually explore Mrs. Patmore's grief. So that was my irritation about it. Let's get a new kitchen gadget in there, or something real to talk about, because this is a boring storyline. All right, she she deserves better. All right, well, let's move on to Miss Baxter then. I weirdly loved her little like bitter monologue like what what was the line that she said like i i had abandoned everything i believed to please a worthless man i just the way she said that with so much anger buried underneath her like very stoic face i loved it this is like maybe fan fiction territory is like in a few months mary and baxter they're stuck in a storm at the pub and they just have to drink all night and bitch about men (laughs) wouldn't that be great 
<laughs> He's so fun. Mary and Baxter? Yeah. yeah. Okay. They've had their adventures up and down with men. Like, Mary's like, well, at least you didn't die in your bed. <laughs> or die in a car when your son was born. I mean, she's got some shit to bitch about. Mary's the Black Widow. Shannon, I see in the notes you, you're requesting a scene of Baxter and Mosley running to each other in the rain. Yeah, that's how I want this season to end, is like, cue the music, they're running to each other in the rain, you know, and they have this like epic kiss, and then they win the People's Choice Awards for like best couple or best kick kiss. I mean, yeah, Outlander's hot. Okay, great. But come on, yeah, Mosley and Baxter but, would be like the cutest. But Mosley would fall down, and he would get all muddy, and she would try to pull him up, and then he would pull her down, and they'd both be all muddy. <laughs> It'd be like that scene from While You're Sleeping on the ice yeah. with mud. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I see it and I love it. And come on, wouldn't that be so cute? Like, let's do that. That sounds great. Who else do we have to talk? Do we have to talk about Bates? Can we just agree Ugh. that we're just going to kill ourselves if this goes on any longer? Yeah, this is, my, this is my note. If I have to listen to him describe his errands for one more episode, I will kill myself. And in my suicide note, I will blame Mr. Bates. There's and that's all there's I have just to say. no more boring sentence than, uh, I made inquiries at a shoe shop. I mean, why? What? And, and he's such a bad liar, too. Like, his whole, like, well, I went to a place, and let me think. I don't remember where I was in the middle of the day. Let me think about it. Like, uh. During our live tweet, I was trying to get the hashtag Downton Deja Vu trending <laughs> it's the yeah scene. i love it like how many times have we had to see a similar scene and then a similar scene of mrs hughes and anna discussing whatever bates is doing and blah 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 and the the one redeeming quality of this whole thing is mrs hughes hoping that none of the men are as smart as she is to put everything together she's much smarter than carson guys we know that oh yeah i just don't know we'll see but you know what? We have a lot to look forward to next episode because I think Isabel and Dickie may be going to the chapel. Oh my god. If Lord Merton proposes to Isabel next week, I will absolutely die of happiness. My heart will explode. You guys, what if we get a double wedding with the prince of Dowager and Lord Vernon Isabel, like the end of a friggin' Jane Austen novel, double wedding. But like the best Jane Austen wedding ever. I'm, yeah. I'm so happy I can't breathe right now. If that doesn't happen, then we will have to write that fanfic and act it out for a bonus episode. I just don't think there's enough champagne in the world that I could celebrate that storyline enough. What do you guys think of um, our Twitter friend Hillary's suggestion of hashtag Dickobell? For the two of them. <laughs> yeah. It's got a great ring to it. I was also trying to figure out something for Cora and the tan man, Simon, but I came up with these really awkward sounding things. So, Coriman. How about hashtag better than LG? Hashtag a man who gives a shit. I don't know. What is his deal? Is like, I really thought we had reached the peak of his whininess during the World War II storylines, or World War One, when he couldn't, like, go out on the battlefield. And now... Well, Brandy, here's an example. The one time he didn't get what he wanted, which was, you know, heading this committee about the war memorial, they found a way to give him a role on it, so he still got what he wanted. He's still on it. I mean, he's just a spoiled, privileged man. <laughs> and you know what? It's still acting like a little titty baby bitch doesn't make your wife love you more. All right. So, you know what? Change your game. You and Lord Gilliam <laughs> need some work. So, 
Any other any other excitement for next week? Well, I would just love to say we've been having such a great time live tweeting. You know, we were on PBS's, you know, top tweets from the last episode and just really want to invite everyone um, to come join us on the East and West Coast version. We've got great crews right now. Um, just an awesome group, both East and West Coast, tweeting with us, making jokes with us. Um, it's a lot of fun. So I kind of hope we get some more people because it's, it's a party every Sunday. So... Yeah, totally. And it's East Coast versus West Coast. So I want the East Coast crew <laughs> to, to don't even try. come out. Even fair don't even try. Because East Coast gets Tom and Lorenzo, which brings people out, and the West Coast has to, like, deal with it. It's just us plebeians out there making jokes. But there's some good jokes out there. I'm loving our West Coast crew. And you know what? Don't be shy, everybody. Throw your best jab out there. Tag us in it. Throw it out there again. It's great. It's a lot of fun. All right. So we've got one fabulous thing to end our show. So I will I will go first. I want to highly recommend anyone who likes Downton Abbey will love a show called Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. It is available on Netflix, on Amazon Prime, on Acorn, and a bunch of other places. And it is about a lady detective in 1920s Australia who solves crimes She's rich, she's beautiful, and she has lots and lots of unapologetic sex. And there's an incredibly hunky police officer who she butts heads with, and we wish they would butt more, but... More butts. And more more butts. Just generally more butts are needed. <laughs> You're just checking off all my check marks right. of what I look for in a show. So, so Miss, um, Miss Fisher's... So sold. Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. I want to give a shout-out to a show as well. If you're not watching Jane the Virgin... Please get on that bandwagon now. Go back to the beginning. The, every single episode, they've had like 10 or 11 episodes so far, and all of them have just been beautiful, funny, warm. Just the, I, it's, a, it's a true soap, so the plot goes along at an amazing pace, but they make it work. And mm -hmm. the cast is so diverse. Like, Downton Abbey is like the whitest show in the world, but... <laughs> I mean, hey, they had that jazz singer already. <laughs> they've had like two characters who weren't white in the last five seasons. But honestly, like it's amazing to watch such a diverse cast, and it's it's perfectly cast. The actors are all fantastic, and it just shows how much talent out there is being wasted by the fact that so many shows are so Lily White and mm -hmm. uh, Gina Rodriguez is amazing. So everyone should watch that show. And she won a Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Comedy Series, which was spectacular. An amazing speech. And I, I have to say one of my favorite things about the show is the wonderful um, mother-daughter relationship, which I feel like is so much deeper and more real than I've seen on any show recently in a long time. It's really refreshing. So mine, I'm going to throw podcasts into the mix. Um, it's from the producers of This American Life and Radiolab. These two women have come together and they're starting a podcast radio show called Is Invisibilia. And it's all about the invisible things that influence our behavior. And I was a psychology major in college. So it's totally nerdy to me of all these great uh, studies and stories that really impact your daily life. It's kind of like those Malcolm Gladwell books, but better. <laughs> so... Um, I highly recommend um, subscribing to this podcast and listening to it. You'll definitely take something away that affects your daily life. And, of course, I love that it's run by two women. So, Well, that brings us to the end of another 
uh, podcast of Downton Gabby. Uh, join us next week for another funny foul mouth and feminist installment of Downton Gabby. If you like our show, please search for us on iTunes and leave us a comment. We would really appreciate it. And you can join us Sunday night for our next live tweet, East Coast and West Coast. We're tweeting at Downton Gabby. We're also on Facebook at Downton Gabby and on Tumblr at, you guessed it, Downton Gabby. Thanks, everybody. Как боюсь я вас, знать видел вас, я не в добрый час. Очень черные, очень пламенные, и манят они страны дальние. Где царит любовь? Где царит?